Let's pray. Heavenly Father, today we pray for our pastors, our leaders and their families, also here in Australia, where they're standing for your truth, standing against a strong tide of worldly ideas. May we stand with them in encouragement and support and in your power. Amen. Today, Lord, we also pray you will give pastors, leaders, and their families strength and courage in times and in places where the enemy attacks their physical freedom and their physical lives. Amen. We focus our eyes on you, O Lord. We know our eternal lives will be together with these brothers and sisters and you. Amen. And a final amen. Um, if, you don't, if you don't know this God, this Jesus for whom people will die rather than deny him, maybe today have a chat with someone here who does know him and, and get introduced to him. If you're eight or 80, don't leave here with a heart that's lukewarm, like a limp piece of fish or something, fried fish or something like that, because he is the most awesome God most awesome, holy God, and he loves you. So get with the plan. Now, um, today is an interview day, too, and our interview, um, okay, some reporters get to go far away, to lands far away, Exciting lands, and Eli, as our reporter, is one of these. He travelled from Budrum to Russia in his interview with our very own Michelle. Okay, so take it away, Elijah. Um, but my heart and passion was always children, so I started a ministry called Rainbow of Hope, which was ministering to orphans through the National Church. So I spent most of my time doing that and uh, being involved with orphans and orphan ministry. And it was called Raduga Nadezhda in Russian, that is, that's its name, and in English that translates Rainbow of Hope. Um, we would go into orphanages that were out of town because orphanages in the city would get quite good funding from the government, but orphanages that were out in the villages or out off the beaten track, they got very little funding and very little help. So uh, we would go out there, and our goal was to befriend these orphans because we found when we tried to work with orphans that had just come out of the orphanage, they didn't know us, they didn't trust us, 
and they became street kids and we couldn't do anything with them. But once we befriended them inside the orphanage, they got to know us. Then when they came out, we could then work with them and help them. So we ran all different programs to cooking ministry, um, to teach them how. They don't even know how to make a cup of tea. Um, they don't know, um, you know, where a potato comes from or even how to cut one and make. So we had life skill ministries. We had carpeting ministry. We had um, craft and we did sport. We did a bit of everything. So I trained a lot of Russians, took them with me, and I had the Russians leading this ministry because I believe as a cross-cultural worker we should be training, equipping and mobilising our Russian brothers and sisters. So that was my role. And once that ministry was up and running, I would then go and, and go into another orphanage and start it all over again. What was going through your mind when you like, were there? Oh, <laughs> well, I went in the middle of winter. <laughs> Wouldn't encourage you to do that. Um, everything looks the same. So everything's grey, everything's iced over. I have a lot of funny stories, but one particularly is... Uh, I used the public transport because I didn't have a car or anything, and I was on the trolley bus, so it's an electric bus that uh, goes along the road, and I was going to church, and I was told to count the stops, and that's how I'd know to get off, because when you scratch, all the windows are iced over, so you can't see the squat out, out of the window, and I was told to count the stops, and what they forgot to tell me is make sure you count the stops when the doors open. So I counted the stops and ended up getting off four stops too early, and then I was free waiting for the next bus to come so many things like that another thing is oh, that's how I gave myself a haircut because I have long natural curly hair I would actually wet it go outside it would instantly freeze and then I would just snap it off and that's how I gave myself a haircut so you've been you spend a lot of time in Russia how do you feel about the wool going yeah. so it's really hard to see both my Ukrainian family suffering but also my Russian family suffering. People don't realise that these sanctions have affected the everyday Russian with food shortages, with money shortages. Uh, I can't get funds over there. I can't get packages to Russia anymore for our orphan ministry. Um, and things are tough. I'm, I'm getting very little communication. So the only way I can get through is now and then I get an email, a random email. But, uh, yeah, my heart is breaking, of course, for my Russian family as well as my Ukrainian family and mate. How and why did you become a Christian? Oh, boy. <laughs> um, I don't come from a Christian home. I grew up uh, with an alcoholic father and a semi-alcoholic mother. Um, my mother and father were both atheists and uh, well, mum was a bit of a hatch match and dispatch Catholic. Um, and, yeah, so I didn't grow up like you, having a, a beautiful Christian family. Um, and when I was 21, someone took me to church. It was a, char a charismatic Pentecostal church. And then I went to a little Baptist church in Ashgrove. Um, and just a few months after that, I came to know Christ. My parents disowned me. They didn't want anything to do with me. Um, and it was not easy at the time. And then a few years on, I decided to go to Bible college. And, uh, yeah, from that point... Um, went to, uh, God called me to Russia through a dream. And in that dream, I was holding a Bible and telling Russians about Jesus. Are there any children that you particularly remember or cherish from your time in Bengal? Oh, there's many. <laughs> Funnily enough, I liked all the naughty ones because <laughs> I don't remember them because they were always getting in trouble. So I learnt their names really quickly. But Yelena in Borovici, she is one that I remember. She was at a camp. 
Um, she couldn't believe that all these people would come and do these day camps with them. And she started coming to church because she was released from the orphanage and uh, she came to Christ and now she goes back and leads other orphans to Christ. So that's Yelena. But I do have sad stories in Rebents. We work with really young children, two and three-year-olds, and these kids were in there because their parents um, basically beat them or just didn't look after them. Um, and so, you know, there's a little sweater she got in... Um, Adopted by a Russia, uh, sorry, a foreign family. So, what has Rainbow become after you've like come out of it? Well, I did my job well. I trained up brothers and sisters, mainly sisters, um, in continuing to this ministry. And you know, as a missionary, our dream is to train, equip, and mobilise. And then, when we leave, the ministry flourishes without us. And that's what it's about. So the ministry is going on strong today, particularly in one city. Sadly, my best friend died of COVID a couple of years ago. She was running Rainbow of Hope in uh, St. Petersburg. So unfortunately, that's now stopped. Um, but in Rebensk and in Borovici, the two cities that I spent time in, both those are going well. In Rebens, uh, sorry, in Borovici, we built a homeless centre called Rainbow of Hope. And it's a centre where people can come, not just orphans, but street kids, adults, anyone. There's soup kitchen, there's a um, clothing, like a second-hand shop. They don't pay. They can take two or three bags of clothing at a time. Um, and so, yes, yeah, so we have lots of opportunities for outreach in these centres. So the centres are continuing. Yelena, who is my beautiful director in Bonavici, we're not having a lot of contact right now because, again, email is sporadic. I can't get through on the phone. SMSs aren't getting through. She doesn't speak any English, so she writes to me in Russian. But when she does write to me, I'm really happy to hear from her. And she sent me some photos recently of some of the projects the kids are doing, and they're just loving boys learning to sew and girls learning to um, bang nails in and build things, you know. Um, it's wonderful to see the kids learning these skills. Well, I still encourage Yelena. I still raise support, so I write thank you letters. I still promote Rainbow of Hope in my missionary letters because I am... Still a missionary with OMS. I'm on special assignment. Um, I still get a stipend each month to help with the medical bills, but I'm not actively raising support, uh, but I do for Rainbow of Hope. Um, I was up until the war sending lots of packages. I would send, poor Gary would be going down to the post office with 25, 30 boxes, five kilo each with craft supplies. I get all that over to them so they can continue the ministry and I would get funds to them through Western Union. Currently, I can't do any of that. So I just have boxes here waiting to go when that's possible. So you're bilingual. How did you learn Russian? Oh, boy, Russian's such a hard language. Mm -hmm. They say the language of heaven's Russian because it takes an eternity to learn, and I second that. I'm not the smartest cookie in the pack. Um, most missionaries get to go to language school. There wasn't a language school for Russia because Russia was a newer country that had opened. So I learned what they call barefoot Russian. See, I'm barefoot. Um, but barefoot Russian is le learning on the go. So it's good in one way because you learn a lot about culture at the same time. But it's harder because you don't get that grammar teaching. So I can speak. They Most Russians would tell you quite fluently. Um, they're being very gracious. But my grammar is horrendous. Mind you, some would say my grammar's not that good in English either. I'm Time, but I don't get to use my Russian anywhere near as much as I used to. So 
Uh, it was hard and it probably took me a good eight, nine years before I started to master it and start dreaming in Russian. Up until then, I would spend a lot of time crying. When and how did you join Kiwana Life? But when I first came to the coast in 2009, um, I knew some friends at Kalantha Presbyterian, so I went there. And then when I moved to Karamundi, which was five and a half, six years ago now, um, I knew Kiwana Life was closer and I thought I'd really love to start going there. I knew it was a Bible-believing, missional and community-loving church and that was what I wanted to be part of. I love missional churches that see a need both here around us but also see that need abroad. So I started there probably yeah, nearly six years ago. In fact, I've been a member or partner for two years but I haven't had the handshake because I haven't been able to get back to church because it's just a little bit difficult at the moment with my health. I now enjoy church online. I look forward to coming back and being with you all again, and I'm hoping that day soon we're getting a car converted uh, so my wheelchair can go up into the car and then Gary will be able to drive me. Thank you for coming out, Michelle. That's all for today. Thank oh, you. thank you so much, Eli, for having me. I really appreciate it. Michelle and Elijah for that interview and interview. We're going to have a time of prayer. If anyone feels in their heart to pray, if you could stand up, we're going to have a roving microphone and we'll bring the microphone to you. So if God is speaking to you and placing something on your heart, feel free to stand. Don't be shy in front of the Lord. He doesn't mind. Thank you. Everlasting Father, our Father, Prince of Peace, our Peace. Emmanuel, God with us, Lord, I thank you and praise you that you're with us today. Lord, I thank you and praise you that we're thinking about your church, your people worldwide today that have been persecuted for sharing the gospel. Lord, I particularly want to pray for India this morning. Lord, it's a country that's been on your heart right from the beginning of the gospel. Father God, we heard about Thomas today, and Thomas took the gospel to India, and he died for taking it. He was martyred in India. Father God, there have been great missionaries, William Carey and Graham Staines and Gladys Staines, that have spent their lives in India. And Graham and his two little boys' lives were, were poured out for India. Lord, there are people being persecuted in India this day. Lord God, the country's being closed to Western organisations. But God, you are the God of the impossible. And when we can't, you can. Lord, we pray that for those um, groups that are able to still get money into India that you would keep the way open. Father God, we thank you that missionaries trained up Indians, pastors and workers in the church and we thank you that all those lights are still in India today. Lord, we pray for those that recanted when they were charged with spreading the gospel. But Lord, I think that Peter denied you. He was scared. 
But when your Holy Spirit filled him, Lord, he went boldly and he's preached the gospel and he was martyred for you. Lord, for all those that recanted during this difficult time in India, I pray that you will pour your spirit out and draw those people back. Father God, I pray for the children and the orphans that are on the street at the moment, but Christians that are working there cannot reach out to them because they're not allowed to proselyze. But Lord God, we bring those orphans, those Hindu orphan children to you. You are the father of the fatherless, and we ask that you make a way that they can be reached. And Father, I bring the Christians in Manipur to you. Father God, I praise you that there's 49% of the population, there are Christians now. And I pray, Father God, that you'll keep the door open for them. Father, they've got some of the Christians around them have got eviction notices and the state government's taking their land under an agricultural land act and it's nothing but wicked, Lord, but you're allowing it. So I thank you for it. But Lord, I pray in your mercy that when they have their day in court that you will be the judge and you will not let this happen. Father God, I thank you for each and orphan ministry there that's ministered to children over the years. I pray their lights throughout the country. I pray the ones that the stains have ministered to, that their lights throughout the country. Father, you care about India more than we could ever care about India. And I ask, Lord, that in your mercy that you will strengthen the Christians there, that in the maturity they will not recant, And, Father God, that if you call them to the ultimate sacrifice, that you'll give them the strength to do it. And I ask this because, Lord, you're here. Where two or three are gathered, you're here. And in the end days, our prayers will be poured out. You hear every one of them. And so, Lord, I pray for India today. Have your way. Father God, give us peace about it. Give them peace about it. But, Father God, let us not forget them. I pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Father, we thank you for Bruce today. Father God, that shows us what it's like to live in a, a like a persecuted, but a, a church where anything can happen. Father, let us be on our ways that we're living in the times where we're bound under legislation, under governmental laws, under whether we know it in in fine ways or not, but under a binding of control. Father, where we cannot sort of worship in truth and in honour, where the hierarchy system is bound by legislation. Father, this is persecution, and it is ripe now. And, Father, we ask that our ears and eyes be open to it. And, Father God, we come to truth and realisation That church is truth. And, Father, where there's any other way, Father God, your name is the one we bow to. No other name but Christ. Father, we ask for, Father God, the legislations and that to be lifted off where we can just be in truth, where persecution is bound by laws and discrimination against this and that, even though it says not. But there is a certain area of discrimination against Christians being able to worship in all truth in all biblical ways we thank you Father God that our church Father can be 
just open to truth and that Father God, Bruce, has just shine the light on the disruptiveness that church can become under the laws. And Father, we thank you here in Australia that we are still able to worship in truth to an extent, but let us wholly deliver that worship, wholly bow down to truth in all areas. And Father God, there is persecution. China, India, wherever. Father God, it may not be the persecution that we can understand, but there's persecution of governmental hierarchy. Let us be aware of it and let us just signify an area that if if we can just loosen off the ties of the enemy and break through whatever way, spiritual realm, that we will do our part. Each and every one of us can do our part. For where there's one, there is many in Christ. Thank you, Lord. Amen. With a Russian sister and a great interest in Michelle's ministry and good friends who are trying to make a difference in Ukraine, it's very difficult to place blame in any one spot. But loving Heavenly Father, you know what is in the heart of each and every one. We just thank you for Michelle's beautiful ministry and her ongoing care and concern for Russia. We think of the people of that nation, many of whom are hearing propaganda that makes it sound as though the Ukrainians are the bad ones. But Lord, you know where things are there. We pray for Russia and its people. We pray for those in power who would seek to subjugate others. And we pray especially for the people of Ukraine at this time. You know what they're suffering. And I just thank you for people like Shane and Jemima and Daniel and Priscilla and their teams that are travelling around Ukraine trying to help those that have lost homes and livelihoods. Watch over them as they travel and as they care and help those that have lost so much. But most of all, I just pray that as they share the good news of Jesus, there will be many who will see through what's happening and will turn to you. Thank you for their ministry and thank you for all those that are supporting them. And we ask this in your precious name. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, that your word says that we're to trust in the Lord with all our hearts and lean not on our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge God and he will direct our paths. Thank you, God, that your word also says, you know, fear not, for in this world we will have tribulation, but I have overcome the world. 
And we thank you, those, Lord, that are working for you, both overseas and here in Australia and in every part of the world. Protect us and keep us safe by the power of your Holy Spirit. We thank you, God, that you are God. You are the God of this world. You are the King of King. We thank you that you are the Lord of Lords and you are in everything. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you, God, for our church. Love you, God. Dear Lord, we come to you this morning and we, we remember when Jesus was asked how we should pray. The first thing he did, did was give you thanks and praise for who you are and all that you've done for us. And Lord, we just want to thank you this morning and Lord, we want to praise you for the fact that, that you sent Jesus not to just die for us but to die for many throughout the world. That you are Jehovah Jireh that you're El Shaddai, Lord, and Lord, we just give you thanks for all that you've done. And Lord, this morning we remember the churches in remote Australia and regional Australia. Lord, as we travel this land, we see so many old churches that are shut. Lord, there, and we remember that there's hundreds and hundreds of towns throughout Australia that have no regular Christian worship or meeting and Lord we pray for the Christians that live in these towns for the isolation they feel for the hardship that they endure Lord and we pray that they might know the nearness of your spirit this morning Lord we thank you for the people in remote areas of Australia Lord that meet regularly Lord often just a small gathering of people and, Lord, we just think of them and just praise you this morning, Lord. I think of those throughout the, the Kimberley and places like Wonka Jonka and Nullabitta and Nookambar and many other communities, Lord, that are, at this time of the year will be meeting in buildings with temperatures up around 40 to 45 degrees, and yet they still come because they realise how important it is as a group of Christians to gather together and to encourage each other. And so, Lord, we just pray for our brothers and our sisters in this country, Lord, that are remote. Lord, we live in a land of drought and flooding plains, and there's many that are flooded at the moment. There are some that are still in drought. And, Lord, we just pray for these churches that are struggling. Lord, we pray that the Christians might remain faithful, even though they have so little Christian fellowship, Lord. And, Lord, I just pray that those of us that know people in rural and remote areas, Lord, that we might ask those Christians, are you okay? 
And Lord, we just um, thank you for all that you've done and in this country, Lord. And we just commit those in regional and rural areas that struggle to have pastors, struggle to get to meet together, Lord. And we just commit them to you this morning and ask that you would be with them in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Wow, what a blessing we have to meet together. We don't realize how privileged we are. Thank you, Father, that we have the freedom to come together, to worship, to love, to share, to be in your presence, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Okay, now we call up Jan. Actually, just before I start, I'll just read the Barnabas prayer. All right. Uh, This is the Barnabas prayer for today, if we could pray this together. Lord God and Heavenly Father, We thank you that your word forewarns us of persecution, opposition and suffering. Please help us to rely on your Holy Spirit so that we can stand firm in our Christian faith despite earthly suffering, reminding us that though such suffering is real and painful, it is but for a moment and not to be compared with the eternal glory that awaits all those who stand firm. May your word keep us from both false hope and faithless despair. For we ask in the name of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, if the children could come up the front, please. And if I don't have many children, I'd like under-15s to come down and help them as well. All right? Okay. Oh, come on, there must be more out there. I might have to up the age group, up to 20. Come on. Come on down. This is a, this is a lovely, over this side, darlings, if you don't mind. And um, this has a lovely happy ending, all right? So come on down. That's it. Find a little posy. Beautiful. Thank you for your support. All right. Now, up on the screen there. We have um, an overhead of all the people that are in my story today. Okay, now we've spoken, we've heard about an orphanage earlier this morning. Well, this is an orphanage in Africa, my story today. All right, so this is the prayer of an orphan girl in Africa. Mama Marina lives in the village of Mwika in Tanzania. She lives with her husband and children, many children. Ten years ago, Mama Marina started looking after a few children who lived nearby whose parents had died and they had no one to look after them. She took them to her home and loved them as if they were her own children. Even though it was crowded, Mama Marina knew she couldn't leave the children on their own, so she took them in. In villages miles from Wicca, 
people heard of this amazing lady and her husband and soon more and more children were brought to her until her house was full to overflowing with children. She decided to use an old mud home that she had lived in previously as bedrooms for the extra children. There was no electricity and no running water. I don't think we could imagine what that would be like. She did her best but could only give the children very basic help. About then they had a visit from some Australian pastors who felt God's call to help Mama Marina and the orphans. They came back to Australia and started to work out the best way to assist them. Funds were donated to build a school near the orphanage so that the orphans had an education. It was that year that Ernie and Judy, and you'll see them up there in the picture, and a small group from Maitland, New South Wales, visited Mweka. They started building what had to become Integrity School. Ernie and Judy stayed at Mama Marina's home for 10 days and saw her hard work in caring for the 30 children. They returned to Australia and began to raise money to help not only Mama Marina, but also several other projects for extremely poor people in Tanzania and Kenya. Then something happened that looked as if that all that had been achieved was going to be stopped. In the September, a government inspector visited Mama Marina's small orphanage. This place isn't good enough, the inspector said. It has to have a separate place to cook and eat food. Without that... You'll have to close the orphanage. Well, Mama Marina was devastated. If the orphanage closed, the children would have nowhere to go. Mama sold whatever she could, but she couldn't get enough to satisfy that inspector. So she gathered the orphans together and told them that the inspector was going to send them back to their villages. Well, the children began to cry. They had no one to care for them but Mama Marina. They wanted to stay. Then Mama said to the children, Today we will pray and not eat anything and ask our God to help us. Good idea. They did that and one little girl cried out to God with tears saying, Lord, you are the father of orphans. We are the orphans. We need a place to cook and eat our food or we're going to be sent away. Lord, help us. Meanwhile, in Maitland, New South Wales, Ernie and Judy Gearing and a few others packed their bags to head to Africa for 23 days. They had raised money which was to help some of the poorest of the poor in Kenya and Tanzania. A small part of it... $2,500 was for Mama Marina's orphanage. As they boarded the bus, one of the team members arrived with an extra $2,500. Now the flight to Africa was a long one. They prayed and trusted God that they would spend the time and money exactly how God wanted. When they arrived in Mwika, they sat down with Mama Marina and asked her, what she needed most. What do you think she asked for? Money for the children's 
What, what, was, what was it that the children needed? Remember that little girl's prayer? Beautiful. Get a bigger place so that they had room to eat and cook. Right, well done. She said she needed a dining room so that she didn't have to send the children away. How much would it cost to build what you need, they asked her, and Mama told them it would be about 3500 Australian dollars. Is that enough money? You think that's enough money? Remember that what they needed to build it? What they're getting as a donation? Right. Well... How much had they budgeted for the orphanage? Two and a half thousand, and it was going to cost three and a half. Well, suddenly the group knew that this is what they needed to do. With the last-minute donation of 2,500 they received as they boarded the bus, they now had how much? Five thousand. Oh, well done there. And they could build the dining room and even make it bigger and better than originally planned. Now, on this next slide, people are hard at work building their dining room, right? The locals joined with the people who were there to help to build this dining room. So before they left to come back to Australia, work had commenced. The Australian team worked hard alongside the local people and 13 days later, the building was opened and the children had their first meal in the dining room. Well, God used Ernie and Judy to answer the prayer of a little orphan girl in the tiny village of Mwika, Tanzania. The orphans of Mwika now know that they have a father who can meet their needs. Ernie and Judy left Mwika amazed at what God achieved through them in just a few days. Their hearts forever linked to that small village in Tanzania. And at Kawana Life, Church, we are blessed children of God and we must remember to pray for children all over the world who need God's help. Thank you for listening. Thank you. All right, all the children are going to give out candles for you to take home to remember to pray for persecuted Christians all over the world, children that don't have such a blessed life as us, right? Everyone that you think of. And this little candle doesn't go out for about a year, right? Because <laughs> it's battery operated. So there you go. So receive your candle and remember, remember to pray. Okay. Now, kids, can you each take about three or four candles and go share them amongst the adults? It's for the adults, too, to remember to pray. So take some and go hand them out. Everyone, when you're at home or in your quiet time, you can put your candle on and you can have time to pray even if you think of the children in orphanages all around the world. Thanks, Jane, for that beautiful story. Now we're going to join together and have a time of quiet prayer, silent prayer, just sitting in his presence.
waiting on the Lord, hearing what he has to say and placing on your heart. So if you can join us for quiet prayer together. Amen. Bible reading for today is taken from Romans 8, verses 35 to 37. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Let's go to read verse 38. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.